Split Two Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Have you read Stephen King's books? Books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie a Stephen King movie. King movie a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. Hello, this is Sheila, editor of the Synesthesia Podcast. Thank you for joining me on my very expensive boat tonight. This episode of Hell to the King features three men who are too flabbergasted by a film to say anything of merit about it, and cannot possibly convey the insanity that they wish to. To help to set the tone I have included the background sound of a barn in a rainstorm. I hope this helps. Please try to enjoy. Yeah, I'm ruining my life. My family hates me. Welcome back to Hell to the King. Uh, night 19. Big 19! Big 19. It's not It's not 18. It's not 20. Yeah. We're on the crest of 20. We're on the... We're barely legal. On the coast. Um, my dad's still here. Hi. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I've only done this for two nights, and it feels like an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 interesting thing about doing a daily podcast for an entire month, um, sometimes other people are in your house for more than a day. Sometimes, sometimes they come. Sometimes back. they come. Back. No, no, they don't. That's not coming back. <laughs> we we put that we put that sometimes away. Sometimes they just are still there. Um, yeah, this is Jason. That's Jim. And this is Jim, my dad, who's still Howdy. staying in our house, so I'm just making him watch these goddamn movies. <laughs> yeah, ruining his life, too. Um, Jim, I thought, and would have maybe mm-hmm. uh, laid money, mm-hmm. that yesterday yes. would have been the most insane movie that we would watch all month. Uh, that movie okay. being The Lawnmower right. Man. Because that movie mm-hmm. was completely mm-hmm. nuts it True. is it is full it's a full bunch of it bananas. is yeah it is it's it's a pants full of bananas it's banana pants yeah. um banana but pain. then tonight <laughs> tonight we watched sleepwalkers <laughs> yes. yes and there which i can it's now on its own level. guarantee that yes. tonight is mm-hmm. the most insane film that we will watch all month because it's not there's no i'm done I'm done. You guys talk about this movie. <laughs> I, Jason, I simultaneously hope that you are right and hope very much that you're yeah. wrong. Uh, this movie is barely a movie. Barely. I, yeah, 
but also it's so much movie. It's so much. But yeah. But then they start out by redefining what uh, shapeshifters are to sleepwalkers. It starts is that, out is that with based a yeah. anything? No, it starts out with a nonsense dictionary definition. Yeah. I was it, curious. Is, if is there, there was, any? I, I was curious if sleepwalkers were from any tradition, but not enough to do any yeah, research right. at all. But I was curious if there was any kind of historical basis for half a vampire cat people. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is what a sleepwalker is. A dumb thought. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it, sorry. Technically, they're, they're it's, half a, it's a, a formless cat, cat person that yeah. is, po- the thing says at the beginning, probably the basis for the vampire legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. They're just catmans yeah, so that, that, was the that fake, people have uh, misinterpreted as being Dracula. Right? Which I guess yeah. is what... So the the we watched it on... I forget even what service now we watched it on. But whatever one we watched it on had a logline for it. Oh, yes. <laughs> that said, uh, Stephen King redefines the legend as these mm-hmm. whatever monsters come to a sleepy Midwestern town. And first of all, I didn't think the town was in the Midwest. I thought it was in Maine. No. Um, yeah. So Nothing about so it. That part, the only Midwest. mention of the Midwest is that they supposedly came from Ohio. Yeah. Um, right, but they are lying. But also, that. my question is, what legend did he reconfigure yes. <laughs> that they're referencing? Oh, the, the legend of the film Cat. <laughs> <laughs> but Cats didn't kill the cat people. <laughs> I want to know. Well, that's how he's redefining yeah. it, Jim. Okay. No, oh, I got you. <laughs> in that he's just in that he just made up uh, a new legend. That's, um, this this feels like Jason. Oh, you spoke at some point about us sort of entering the center of the Stephen King circle universe, yeah. um, and we are definitely cruising on through the other side. Yes. This is he's it's it's like. When Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes self-aware <laughs> in, in the last action hero, but also just in that era of his career, it's we're in that. It's Stephen King is just a name you put on this gimmick factory at this point in cinema. So did, okay, uh, yes, uh, wait, 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 but did this have a literary, uh, you know, uh, antecedent? Now, antecedent? I, it yeah, right, must sorry. be based on a short story. Was it a short story? story? Was it, what was it? No. Where here's what makes this movie but, even more insane. So uh, okay. please. On, so, on the surface, what, what you're saying is, there's this movie, it's got Stephen King's name on it, and it's a complete nonsense horror show full of, like, weird gimmicks. Yes. Agreed. This is, uh, because yeah. technically Maximum Overdrive is uh, loosely based on his own short story, Trucks, this yes. is the first original screenplay written <laughs> for the movies only by Stephen King, and directed... Oh by his dude, Mick Garris, the guy he got to make oh. The Stand and The Shining yeah. and everything else. Yes. This, this movie, this is exact, yeah. this is the most pure King movie. <laughs> Even more than Maximum Overdrive, because he was like 40% pharmaceutical in that. And in this, he's just himself, and he's got his dude directing sure? it, and he wrote this is, it. This is a post-drugs yes. movie, Jason? He's yes. clean at this point? That's... Are you sure he didn't just switch from cocaine to other drugs? <laughs> maybe it was I mean, maybe he's he just doing straight hits of maple syrup. I don't know what <laughs> what you people do up in the north. I mean, I grew up doing straight hits of maple syrup, but they don't. They certainly don't make you write. I don't know. Movies. I've seen some of your movies. <laughs> <laughs> I make more sense than this. Um, Dad, try to tell us what a sleepwalker is. A sleepwalker is. It's 
I don't know. It has a, there was a fake definition at the beginning of no, the movie. No, you've seen the movie. What do you? If somebody asks yeah, you, hey, what's a sleepwalker? Not somebody evidence. who walks in their sleep. No, from the movie, movie. Dad. <laughs> from, <laughs> from the movie, I I think it's a a cat person <laughs> vampire energy beast <laughs> uh, with shape shifting abilities. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, not moralist. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? Yeah, well, they it, they can shapeshift, but also they can shapeshift their cars. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what I know. It's like, how did they switch cars? Yeah. I assume I assume you just get to bond with your yeah. speed. So, and it, and it, they're um, able to turn themselves invisible too. Or I would yeah. say, of all, oh yeah, he can uh, through going. concentration make himself and his car. Mm-hmm. I thought so. Here's a note I wrote to myself, Jason, which I now have to half walk back. But I thought uh, Deputy Andy and Clovis. I thought that they were both... I thought they should be stock characters. I thought that they were both very strong. <laughs> uh, the, the the police people. Yes. Um, yes. Well, the police... The, the guy in... Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Close the attack cap. And the the attack... Yeah. And I wrote a note to myself that said, I wonder if they read as as so lived in and stock because this is based on a super long book. <laughs> uh, but clearly, nope, no. Nope, that's so that's, just, that's good I agree. Writing. Here's the thing. I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. No, but no, I no. do think it's a completely no. fucking insane movie. It is it it strikes me that Stephen King doesn't understand movies. Oh, you, you had a very good theory about this. <laughs> I did. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so the that, that the way in which he looks at movies versus uh, writing. Oh yeah, yeah we well, yeah, we yeah, talked about this. this. This is good. You, you, you articulated this. Care quite, about them? Well, it's well. nothing. But, but we talked yeah. about this sort of in a previous episode where it's just he. I think that for him, like writing is. So, so the, the one way you could say it, the sort of ungenerous way, is that writing is the serious work and movies are the fun time yeah. goof-offs. But I, I think yes. you could also posit a slightly more generous read, which is that for him, writing... We've talked about how internal a lot of his works are and how much he gets into people's heads. And for him, that seems like the yeah. job of a novelist or a, a prose writer. Like, he's writing books that are fun, sure. but also yeah. he's digging into all of these personalities. But in a movie, yeah. you just have you know, what you can look at and what you can see. And so what he decides to write about is, like, what would be fun to look at? What would be fun to hear someone yeah. say? I think I also... I mean, I don't. I haven't read any of his books. Uh, I, it does seem like traditional structure might not be his strongest or a, a major interest of his. Uh-huh. I also... Um, <laughs> which I think is is weirder in a movie, right? We're used to them taking a more specific shape than yes. in a novel. I also feel like he has the benefit of having written... 700,000 pages of book um, and having written six movies, right? And and I, a third of his books are books that he himself says, oh, I was just messing around and it's, I, it's sure it's 700 pages, but it's yeah. terrible. Um, and he could do that because he's just so generative. Mm-hmm. But because he's only written, what, 15 <laughs> movies yeah. or something, um, if, if two-thirds of them are super weird and bonkers, it, it feels like all of them are. That that feels that feels right. Um, I don't know. I think there's something to the I, fact that this was his the like everything, a, like a passion well, project. But, for well, him? not even just passion project, but like you know everything else that he has written has been an adaptation mm-hmm. of his own work, and so he's felt some. Yes. Uh, he's owed something to that original work, you know, to capture yeah. whatever spark it is, and that spark is going to be rooted in the original sure. mission of the book. This was just a thing he wanted to be a movie. He was like, you know what? I'd like to write a movie. 
and I'm going to make yes. it about shape-shifting cat person date rapists. Yes. Who, like, invade small towns and have incestuous sex with one another. Yeah. Yes. There's the whole... No, 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 you can say it would be date rape because it has to be a virgin, right? And they have to get the energy. You can date rape a virgin, Ted. No, 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 oh, no you but can't he's, because he's you have to get the could, he energy rape her from right. a virgin. No, because then so, he couldn't I'm steal her Speaking metaphorically, I know you the, are. The I, know, core, I know, I know. I know I'm get just, with the picture, Jason. The core of the movie reimagines the vampire attack as yes. frat boy date rape, and it's yeah. simultaneously one of the strongest choices and one of the least pleasant choices. Yes. I, um... This movie for two-thirds of its runtime is is a super traditional movie structure of mother and son murderers, sexual assaulters who come into town and seek out uh, seek out Machina Mick and, and decide to steal her soul, and then you watch the son falling in love with her so that he'll betray his mother, and then they get out on their big date, and he just doesn't. He's like, nah, I wasn't ever actually interested. And you're oh, like, yeah, oh, then, was... what, then what was the plot? It, then yeah. what was happening? I was just watching him court someone to murder her. My generous read on that, and this I'm, I'm positing yeah. this as a generous read, I don't know that the film actually did this work, but yeah. it did seem, because he got so uh, manic and, like, yes. loopy... He just starts screaming goofball lines about how he's gonna eat her. It, felt like he was like had, like he had to psych himself up like he knew what he had to do so he had to like take yeah. on this persona emo- he had to emotionally yeah. shape change as much as physically shape change now the film does not actually posit no, that gracefully you're whatsoever. giving the film that um, you're, you're giving that as a gift but because that character is so tonally different in yeah. other scenes where he has no reason to be pretending, like scenes with his mother and, and yes. talking about it, it did seem like it had to be some... It's either, like, just straight incompetent goofery, which is possible, right. but it felt sure. like it was trying to do something. Maybe. It did feel like it was trying to do something. And I think it is trying to do something, and I think it does something. <laughs> but I don't I don't think I know what it is that it does. Uh, but that that's my, my generous read on it. Yeah. All right. Jennifer, so they may have been setting you up when she was saying, you know, don't fall in love with this one while you're going out. The mother was talking to the son about that. Yeah, and as though that had happened yeah, before. Yeah, that happened before, but, but possibly it was just, you know, an offhand account, you know, you know, remark, not with any meaning behind it because she knew what was going to happen. And, yeah. you know, maybe it had never know, been, yeah. been, a, been, a, been a thing. In fact, it could have been like an in-joke between them or something like that. But just because of the way it played out after that, it seemed to have no bearing on... Uh, it's yeah, possible. It didn't feel yeah. like they were joking. It yeah. felt if, very emotional. Yeah, it did. It did. That's if what but, Mick but, Garris wasn't Stephen King's again, homeboy, I would have yes, guessed exactly. that this was another situation like uh, like Misery, where it's written as a sweaty, terse thing, and then made as sort of a wacky goofball thing. So, oh, I've not yeah. seen Misery, so... Well, we, we have a disagreement over whether that is intentional. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, but, yeah... Uh, it, but it, 
regardless of whether it's t- intentional, that is what but it, it is. is. Yeah, it, you know it is one hundred percent Stephen a... King's homeboy. So like this movie, yeah. it almost feels like a gift to us. So it's not like Mick Garris is like, oh, I want him to be falling in love, even though the text doesn't support yeah. that, and then telling the actor to do it. Uh, it's just what's there. It's, it's like a weird gift to us in that for so many of these movies, we have to second guess and try to figure out what somebody meant to do and what these competing yeah. forces were. This movie is just what it's supposed to be. Like, it was written yes. by a guy who gets to write whatever he wants, and then he got to pick the director, yes. and the director is the guy he picks to direct all the stuff that he produces and cares about. So, like, it's yeah. done. Boom. This is... I want to I wanna front with a caveat here that I'm not pro-incest, but this is the second film, not in this series, but that I've seen uh, where I was actively rooting for someone to have sex with their mother. Well, <laughs> when your mother is the great Alice Krieger, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard not to. Right? Um, I was super... The, the cast in this film, by the way, is super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know a lot about Brian Krause, the, the main cat pyre guy. Um, but the the there's the the cat vampire son and mother and the mother as I said mm-hmm. it's Alice Kriega who's phenomenal uh, been in a ton of mm-hmm. stuff but the thing that always I always think of her from is Deadwood um, she has a, a sure. great great uh, role in that um, but also uh, Madgen Amick from Twin Peaks yeah uh, is in this and she's really good yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of an irrefutable love. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, just uh, too adorable. Too, like, it's not... Yeah. They don't have to do any work, but then she does plenty yeah. of work. She does the yeah. work anyway. She shows up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I get totally. it. totally. And then she still acts. And also yeah. does a really good job with the scenes where she has to be completely traumatized. Like, yes. But uh, one, one of the strongest moments I thought, actually, that she acted... Uh, was one that initially mm-hmm. sort of threw us when we were watching it. It's after he's attacked her, and she manages to mm-hmm. stab him, and then he mm-hmm. falls down. And mm-hmm. she has that moment where she looks at him, and he doesn't have a cat face anymore, and she starts yeah. to walk towards him. And, like, at first you're thinking it's, like, classic horror movie thing of, like, no, you've stabbed him, run away. Mm-hmm. But she, the mm-hmm. way she acted it, I genuinely believed that she was wondering whether or not she had just had a psychotic break and stabbed a man. Because yeah. she's looking at him, he's like, wait, yeah. there's no cat face. Wait, what have I done? I'm going to walk yeah. over here. And then, you know, yeah. the, the cheap jump and he goes after it. Yeah. But, like, she did that so well. I was like, oh, wow. That's, I haven't really seen yeah. that moment done that way. That, that made that made that made it logical at that point, you know, to do that. Yeah, justified. It. It. Yeah, if not logical. Um, also, uh, Ron Perlman shows up, and oh, yes. yes. <laughs> As his character from the TV show Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's it's perfect casting, even though he's not a cat person, because Ron Perlman already looks like a cat person. And so it's just this state trooper who shows up, who the whole time you're looking at him, you're like, is he supposed to be another one of the cat vampires? (laughs) I'm not sure. That might just be his face. Yeah, I was convinced he was. Because he's also, I don't remember exactly, but he's hes just being grumpy at all the oh, other yeah. cops. And I was like, oh, he's going to come around and, and be the one who pulls them out of trouble. He's being grumpy and also, like, borderline psychotic. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to downplay that. <laughs> he's being incredibly sort of 
aggressive, but but comically so, and like, it has yeah. all kinds of strange interactions with people. Yeah. So my my notes app, I'm too lazy to write yeah. titles in my notes app, so it just saves my notes as whatever the first thing I wrote was. And so this document sure. is titled Mark Hamill's Mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because the opening scene, <laughs> yeah. in which my next note is also almost no bad choices made in the opening scene, uh, mm-hmm. is two police officers in some other town finding an abandoned apartment full of dead yes. and strung up cats. Super yeah. But one of the police officers is an uncredited Mark Hamill yeah. in a yeah. giant mustache. Yeah. And I really yes. bummed me out and that was the last time. Is it supposed to hide his face, or is it just a funny I joke? I think it's just a funny it's joke. Yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if I wasn't supposed to know. he was wearing his face at that time. Oh, you know, And they were just like, yeah, sure, come on down. He's like, I got this mustache. Yeah. And they're like, great. <laughs> they're like, oh. Or they were like, hey, Mark, we're shooting this silly Stephen King movie in about six months. Uh, do you want to come in and just do a cameo bit? Uh, you'll be a cop. And he was like, oh, great, I'll grow a mustache. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. And then he did. Yeah. <laughs> Just spent the next six months curating a giant mustache. Um, the this is the first. I think this is the first movie I've actually seen by Mick Garris, uh, and I was really okay. excited that it came up because it means we don't have to watch Quicksilver Highway later on. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to watch Quicksilver Highway. It's only half a king, though. The other half is Clive Barker. I know. Who's also and I in this movie? Why we... Yes, <laughs> as his as his John Landis and. Uh, <laughs> Joe Dante and wait, really? Yeah. There was one other one who made a yeah. cameo. All the all the Pyramid. forensic lab techs, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in the field. Oh, and the, that's uh, who was the other one? There, it was John Landis, Joe Dante, Clive Barker, and Toby Hooper. Oh, all four amazing. of them are in there. And then Stephen King is the is the ser- cemetery caretaker. It's he's all that same like yeah. chain of scenes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, honestly, Quick Circle Highway, I'm only interested in because I know Christopher Lloyd and Matt Frewer are in it, but I can. We can watch it. Just so watch. the the only reason I I'll say watch we it don't on my have own to someday. watch it is because I only put it in there because we yeah. were going to watch the Shining remake. Because you were afraid we were only going to be watching forty movies in total yeah. in a month, and you thought you needed to. Bolt. <laughs> well, I just wanted to see what Mick Garris would do in a movie as opposed to a TV miniseries, because sure. he was you know King's guy, and because he's doing right. the Shining miniseries, which we are going to watch later. But yeah. now we've seen it. But now you have. <laughs> And this is more of a movie than than Quicks. I than imagine would be, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this is the episodic. the first thing I've ever seen by Mick Garris that I'm aware yeah. of. Um, sure. And the I Jim, this movie confounded me <laughs> because I don't know that I've ever seen a movie that was such a pure blend mm-hmm. of complete inane cliche surrounded yes. by completely insane choices. And, yes. Like, to the point it of... It does feel like he took, uh... He took a... Like, a paint-by-numbers plot. It's like it's like a Mad Lib, Jason. It's like someone wrote a sort of general outline, and then he went through and just... Every time there was a space, he was like, Fart log. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's also just like the way he shoots things. Like, all the shots were insane by degrees. Like, the thing I keep <laughs> thinking of is every time... Uh, Magic Amchik's parents are on camera together. Yes, like it just—it kind of the camera kind of pushes in for this, you know, moment of theirs, you know, speaking to each other in their own world. But the way Mm -hmm. everything is framed—I don't know if you noticed this—but it's—it's the—he chooses a lens so that they don't seem too far away from the camera, 
But yet, mm-hmm. the framing is such that they have an enormous amount of headroom, and the camera goes all mm-hmm. the way down to their mid calf. Yeah, and it <laughs> just like awesome. visually, I'll, I'll it doesn't do, make yeah, right. any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the one shot where they're framed like that, and then the deputy steps into frame, and it's just his ass in the entire left hand <laughs> side of the frame, and them framed from above their head down to their calves in the right side of the frame, and I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Second movie in which a cat fights a demon to save a girl. Oh, yeah. Stephen yeah. King. Um, Clovis the attack cat comes back for the win at the end. Yeah. Yeah, he shuts him down. Um, well, because cats are the only things that can... Kill a sleepwalker. Walker. Even yeah. though the sleepwalkers yeah. are cats. Are half cat. Well, that's why, Jason. I Wait, wait, why? <laughs> you know, like how you can drown in water. Because I'm mostly water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that whole thing where if a wolf bites a werewolf, he dies and bursts into flame. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. Or, or if a vampire gets bitten by a mosquito. Yes. <laughs> or if Ron Perlman wears a pearl necklace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it shuts yeah. him down. There's no psychic activity in this, Jason, but there was another... Oh, this is another good example of Stephen King likes cool cars. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because... What's his name? Main character has one cool car that turns into <laughs> another. <laughs> I think I was just too flabbergasted the whole movie. To it's it was one of those ones where things are coming at you so fast that how can you choose what to write? I, I still have no idea how I feel about this movie, but I do know that it surprised me on almost every level and confused me yeah. on even more. Yes. Uh, yeah. Totally, totally. This movie is all over this over the place. Which yes. reminded me of our conversation about Pet Cemetery, where we were trying to figure out yeah. how much of the tonal were shifts was, were intentional, yeah. how much was Mary Lambert, how much was Stephen King, and that brings me back mm-hmm. to this movie being a really useful, like, lodestone, yeah. Rosetta Stone for us to figure this shit out, because this is exactly yes. what it's supposed to be, and it makes no sense, tonally. Yeah, this is even anything. more tonally bonkers than Pet oh, Cemetery. Yeah. This is... It's... In Pet Cemetery, it sort of goes back and forth between multiple tones. This movie is striking four tones. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's like polyphonic. It's like with a cat it's, sitting on a piano. Yeah. It it's a it's <laughs> every every scene is a fugue. In the pantheon was, of movies about people who are also cats, where would you rank it? I I would put it way low because I've seen cat people. <laughs> Wait, so would it would you put it okay, below wait. both versions of cat people, or would you put it in between oh. the original cat oh. people and the Schrader cat oh. people? I, I would almost yeah. put this above the second version of the cat people, just maybe because it, it's just so whacked out. Okay. I mean, it's doing the whole, whole there. idea that, you know, first of all, that a cat scratch is going to, you know, take care of these creatures. <laughs> and they get stalked <laughs> by cats, too. They, they have yeah. to, to, to lay traps out. <laughs> yeah, like cats want cat. to kill I them. I mean, bear traps yeah, and wolf traps for these little kittens, you know? Oh, that, that reminds me that, of one of my favorite bits. Too. Oh yeah, where he the, throws the where he throws the bear, the yeah. dumb courage of the sheriff throwing the bear trap at the end. Amazing! I was, like that was it, it, again. We're just getting echoes of echoes, yeah. but it reminded me of yes. our conversation about the priest in Salem's Lot and how, like, even though yes. he didn't have the faith to power the cross, he rolled up to like yeah. fight a vampire knowing he was going to die. And that sheriff yeah. to me had that energy of like. I don't know what's going on. I could just pretend to be dead. I could I run away, yeah, but yeah. I'm going to pick this bear trap up and try to do something. Yeah. And yeah. throw it without the hair trigger going off. Yeah. Beforehand. That's yes. a real hero. <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, just because it was so bonk. I mean, of course, you had that Clovis the attack cat that was riding around with a, with a, with a 
policeman. And that just made no sense whatsoever. Oh, uh, beautiful on its own. Yeah, beautiful, but made no sense. But then the cat jumps up at the window when the son is driving next to him, you know, and all of a sudden triggers all these facial changes. And oh man, yeah, that was that was that was my yeah. I, know, I thought I thought that was that was really yeah really whacked out. But you know yeah. that was worth visiting just for <laughs> that that change, you know, and the way well the way yeah. the sheriff you know, interpreted it later, you know, is that he had no face. <laughs> asked to tell you that Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguano Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Don't cry over Split Tooth. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is edited by me, Sheila, on my boat, alone, only in the night time. I'm not allowed to walk the docks during the day. I frightened the lobstermen. Please come back and sail with me. I miss you. Oh, <laughs>